In this episode, we meet Peggy Green, who has personally experienced the death of two of her children, one a nine-month-old daughter in a daycare accident, and the other a 24-year-old son to suicide. Tune in to hear how Peggy has chosen to use these experiences and others in sharing her story and supporting others holistically in their grief journeys. Peggy recently published her second book, Survive Your Child's Suicide, How to Move Through Grief to Healing. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and leave a comment or review. Welcome to another episode of the Share Your Story series. This podcast is called Share Your Story, Exploring Humanity One Heart at a Time. We dive deeply into the stories that make us who we are and who we can become. I'm your host, Jenny Diltz, and I'm also the founder of Grieving Coach. I can be found at grievingcoach.com. Before I introduce today's guest, though, I wanted to share a little bit about how Share Your Story got started. I was guesting on other shows and meeting some amazing people. In hearing their stories, I've learned so much and have been incredibly inspired by what they've been experiencing and how they've grown from it. Their stories have included many golden nuggets that I wish I could just shout to the world. So I started a podcast to share our stories and our humanity. Throughout my journey as a podcaster, both as a guest and a host, I've had tons of support along the way, and I'm so grateful for it. For the month of September, we're focusing on different aspects of suicide in honor of Suicide Awareness Month. I believe that there's much power, connection, and healing in sharing our stories. So this episode is dedicated to those who have been affected by suicide in any way. Today's special guest is Peggy Green, who recently published her second book, Survive Your Child's Suicide, How to Move Through Grief, to healing in July of 2020. A little bit more about our guest. Peggy is a grief specialist, author, and speaker who has personally suffered child loss twice. Her first child died in 1991, and then in 2018, her son died by suicide. She has since turned her pain into purpose. As a grief coach, She specializes in helping mothers who lost a child to suicide move through their grief to find peace, joy, and happiness again. Peggy's first book, Life After Child Loss, The Mother's Survival Guide to Cope and Find Joy, is an Amazon bestseller. As a speaker and podcast guest, her message of hope and healing has been heard in nearly 100 countries. Her weekly Thursday Thoughts blog and email letter is inspiring and encouraging to thousand mourning the death of a loved one. She has been published in the Heart of Hospice blog and quoted with Noble Manhattan Coaching. Thank you, Peggy, so much for being here. Thank you, Jenny. I appreciate the opportunity to share my story. It's powerful. It's powerful to be able to share our stories and it's powerful to be able to receive others' stories. Yeah, absolutely. It's, I think that when you say it's powerful for ourselves and for others, I believe in sharing my story, it helps me process and heal. And then by those who are receiving it for them to see that there is hope 
to be able to experience life again after experiencing child suicide. So it benefits everyone. Absolutely. Where can people find you? They can find me um, on my website, and that's thegriefspecialist.com. And it's T-A-G-G-R-I-E-F-S-P-E-C-I-A-L-I-S-T.com, thegriefspecialist.com. You can also find me on Instagram. That's Peggy Green, Twitter, Peggy A. Green, Facebook, The Grief Specialist. So I'm in several different places. Awesome. And I'll put these links in the show notes. Awesome. Thank you. So as we read in your bio, you've had two children who have died and two other children. Yes. Um, Tell us more about that. Yes. So I've had four children and two of my children have preceded me and they've gone on to heaven. And so in 1991, my nine month old daughter passed away in a daycare accident At the time I was working full-time and her father was working full-time, I had long, irregular hours, 6 a.m. to 2 p.m. or 1 p.m. to 2 a.m., and her father was traveling. And so a traditional daycare wouldn't work um, because I was taking her to and from daycare at those hours because her father was traveling. So we had chosen a woman who was recommended referred. She was the mother of one of my neighbors at the time. And so she was like a grandmother and she um, took care of children. She was, she was, we visited her and fell in love with her because she had such a beautiful heart and, and caring attitude towards children. Mm-hmm. And so we knew she wasn't licensed. And to us, that just didn't seem to be such a big deal. But it was because um, she put Courtney down for a nap and she got into some things that she shouldn't have. And so she, my daughter passed away because the daycare provider not being licensed, their safety not being checked. And even though she died in, in at the sitter's hands, I can't harbor any anger towards her. I had to, I had to forgive her for myself. And so I haven't gone through that. That was really hard. So in 1991, over 30 years ago, there wasn't much help in the way of getting through grief and getting through child loss. I mean, we, I so easily spoke about my aunts who had passed away or my grandparents who had passed away, but to speak about my own daughter was really hard and to find those resources. Mm-hmm. So I managed to make it through that and to be able to go on and have more children that were planned. And I was cruising, life was good. And then in December of 2018, I was driving home from work one day and my phone rang. It was my oldest daughter. And I heard her say something. I know he hasn't been feeling well lately. And I immediately knew she was talking about her brother, my son, because they worked at car dealerships that were next to each other. And they were frequently found in each other's offices, their showrooms. And 
So I pulled over to the side of the road, that get instinct, that mother's intuition. It's like, I may need to turn this car around and go back. Yeah. And I couldn't hear her. So I, I, she, she sounded very distracted. So I called her back and she's like, mom, mom, mom. I, I, I and just tears storming her, her voice shaking. I don't know how to tell you this. This is the hardest thing I'm ever going to have to tell you. But Connor is dead. My heart stopped. My stomach flipped. I slammed my hands on those steering wheels once again and said, oh, God, why? How? How can this be happening again? Mm-hmm. And my son, Connor, I knew he was struggling with life. I mean, just like we have life hardships, but I had no idea that they were the, at this point that they would take him to making a decision to end his life. Yeah. Because as I've researched things, I tell you, Jenny, from those that have survived suicide attempts, they've shared that they are just want to get out of the pain that they're experiencing. Right. And they don't see any other way. There's no no other solution for them. And that pain, Jenny, can come from physical pain. It can be mental, you know, um, relationship, so many things that can drive them to that point of just saying enough is enough. And it's about them in that moment. Yeah. You're thinking about them. And I and I again I ha- I forgive my son. Because what he did, he didn't know that he would hurt me and his sisters and his family and his friends in his sudden departure. So in between Courtney's passing and and Connor's passing, alongside there, my oldest daughter's had her best friend, several other friends. I've had a niece pass away by suicide. And on top of that, other family members, my parents, my sister, And so I've experienced and gone through multiple losses. Yeah. And so knowing with the child loss the first time and how how bad that was, and then child suicides even much more difficult when I started looking for resources, I thought, I have experience. Mm -hmm. So I used my processes that I've accumulated over the years. So it's a compounding of my professional experiences as a personal trainer, nutrition, wellness coach, to bring together that and then the research and the life experiences of how I've gotten through this, being a, um, you know, attending companion or partner programs for um, alcohol and anonymous, and then just other well coaching that I've received, personal development. So, I brought this together because when I talk about most of your traditional psychologists focus on mental and emotional health. And I know that I did more than that. Mm -hmm. I looked at my physical health and my spiritual health. So I approach it as a holistic approach. And when I mean holistic is I look at you as a whole person because we're not, we can't just separate our brain from this body. We have to have it fully connected. So I felt that I need to get that perspective out because nobody addresses that in bringing all of them together. So it's a very unique, very unique approach. 
That's amazing. Amazing that you're able to take those experiences and one, make it through them and survive everything that's happened. And two, use what you've learned along the way, turn that into something that you can then offer to others to help them along their way. Yes. And the way this all came about, I mean, I wouldn't have chosen this path to, right. to be helping others in the grief arena, but it was handed to me. And so I had a choice. What do I do with this? Now I've lost two children. What do I do with this? So this whole process started simply by posting my experiences on Facebook, mm. starting from the very beginning to making an, a public announcement that my son had died and when his memorial was. And of course, I had an outpouring of um, people wanting to help and their condolences. And, and that was absolutely amazing. In between my son's friends and my daughter's friends, and it was just overwhelming in the generosity. Yeah. And I didn't know what else to do. And, and I just, I shared my journey on Facebook. I was like, okay, hey, um, this is what's happening now. And this is how sad I'm feeling. These are the emotions that I'm feeling. This is the roller coaster that I've been on. And then about four months, when I reflected back, I was starting to share, yeah, this is how, this is the grief that I'm experiencing, but this is how I'm dealing with. And this is what I did. And my followers and friends said, wow, this is great. This is helping me. I just love what you're saying. I know that you're going through grief, but this is helping me. Mm -hmm. Then they started suggesting you should write a book. <laughs> yeah, right, Jenny, right. Um, but I kept just blogging on Facebook my journey. And so I made a commitment to do that for one year on Facebook because I thought that would be just a good time frame to get through the year of first, and that would be successful. And so I had somebody introduce me to a, a grief coaching, or not a grief coaching, an author writing program, a book writing program. And so I wrote my first book in 12 weeks oh, wow. because they had a program. And it was, I think, honestly, that I had that in my head anyhow. And that's why it was so easy to write. Yeah. And that book, Life After Child Lost, The Mother Survival Guide to Cope and Find Joy, was an Amazon bestseller. You know, that really like, wow, wow, <laughs> that, that that's absolutely amazing. And that one has eight different processes that I use. They're similar to what I use in my other book, but it's what I was experiencing, what I really tapped into during that first year. Anything from you know finding your tribe, finding your higher power, whether that's God or not. For me, it's God. Mm -hmm. But then helping to look at things such as what do we do with our child's possessions? Yeah. How do we create a memorial? Getting through those first, that elephant in the room, which I spoke about because that had to be addressed and well received, which is absolutely amazing. And then I've continued to, I don't um, 
do it every day, but I started the Thursday Thoughts blog. You can sign up for it on my website, but that is continues to be my experience. And what I've been told is that my vulnerability and being open and honest with my thoughts and feelings is really what makes my book, my Thursday thoughts, and now my new book, so um, people can connect to where I am because I am clear, I'm transparent, I'm three and a half years out and I still have those days. I still have a moment. I have a grief experience, a grief wave, but I still experience that. Yeah. Yeah. And so the second book is just absolutely amazing because I attended some personal grief groups and found I didn't like the format. I was like, Ooh, this just is rubbing me wrong. Um, Child loss amongst those who have lost family and, 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 and spouses, but children, not to say that anybody's loss is better or worse. It's just different. Mm-hmm. It's different. And child loss by suicide, that's a double-edged sword. So I found I wasn't receiving the support that I needed because of those circumstances. So I decided to organize a program and presented it to my church and it didn't go. They chose to take a different route and which is perfectly fine. But then I was like, Hmm, this is my second book. Nice. This is really my second book. And so this, my second book took a little bit of organizing, working with a publisher, working with an editor and for, to submit my work and have them go through it and say, yeah, this is great. Let's get it ready. We've timed it as such that it's available in September of 2020, which is, you mentioned Suicide Awareness Month, and because it's so important, and I want to raise that awareness about what it is. Yes, we have the prevention. We have a new hotline. Um, You can call 988, the Suicide Help Hotline. And I tell you, if you or anybody share this, 988 you can get somebody to talk to. And I think that's just amazing. Mm-hmm. And so being able to share those resources, and now I've built this, this book because when I reflected again on some of the other ways that I brought, how I made it through so many losses, not just you know my daughter's loss, but the others and the tools and resources. So the second book, Survive Your um, Child Suicide, How to Move Through Grief to Healing, addresses spend some more time speaking specific to suicide got it because suicide is unique it's different it's messy it's complex we're left with questions we have guilt we ask why why did they do it you know there's shame associated with it Mm -hmm. you know it's like oh we don't want to talk about it just like people don't talk about a spouse or somebody they know being an alcoholic or a drug addict but this helps to bring that out and encourages people to speak out about it and how it's impacted them. So I spent a, there's a good part in there talking about understanding suicide, the who, who does it? Well, I tell you, it doesn't differentiate in between age, sex, demographics, where you live, your income, everybody experiences, you know, why? Well, they're in that pain, but what's it leave us with? We ask questions, where, 
Well, why do people choose that? 80% of suicide deaths occur at home. Yeah. And then and we're seeing a rise of suicides by firearms. Those suicides are actually outnumbering deaths by firearms, like, you know, murders, using that as a, as a weapon. Who, what, when, where, why, and um, how. And so I spend time discussing that, but then dive into what I have found as three phases to move through grief to healing. That first phase is acceptance, where we're accepting that this has happened. We accept that our loved one had this reason. We can accept and give ourselves permission to grieve. We also can accept and give ourselves permission to heal. Because if we get stuck in that place where we say, I will never, ever, ever get over this loss, you will never, ever, ever get over it. And I use get over. We don't get over it, but I have people say that. And so even if we can accept that it's happened and that we can give ourselves permission, because that's if you can't, if you're telling yourself you won't ever get over it, you won't. Right. And so that's why I established acceptance as that first phase. Sometimes it's hard. I mean, it was very difficult for me to accept that Connor was gone. But again, I made that choice. I mm -hmm. knew to move on, to be able to move forward and help myself. And I have two other lovely daughters to live for. And since my son's passed away, I've gained three grandchildren I have a niece. I'm the matriarch of my family. So I had people to live for and myself. I'd love to say that you have at least one person in your life to live for. And that one person is yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So you know, talk about acceptance and then understanding your fear. Fear is huge in grief. It's huge in suicide. I mean, if you have lost a loved one. You may fear that they're going to be forgotten. Mm -hmm. That you might forget them or that others might forget them. Well, understand how to deal with that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you may fear, have the fear of putting in the work to heal. Because I tell you, Jenny, in order to heal, it's necessary to go through those steps. Mm -hmm. You have to go through it. It's I compare this to like having been in a car accident. And this is my analogy. I was in a car accident, had multiple injuries. I've had to have surgeries. I've had to go through physical therapy. But I tell you, if I didn't, and those physical therapies and those surgeries were not without pain. Yeah. But I knew, yeah, I knew on the other end of that, Jenny, that I would feel better, that those injuries would yeah, I still bear some scars from them, but they don't hurt nearly as bad. And so comparing that, we need to go through this process. Mm -hmm. You need to feel it. And so that's one of the fears that people have. It's like, if I put in this work, is it going to work? And I'm going to be in, another, in a good place. One of the analogies that I love to use here, Jenny, is with um, the fear or just our whole process is like standing on a rope bridge. You're standing at the edge of a, of a canyon and 
before you lies a rope bridge. It's one of those rickety bridges built by ropes and, and planks, and it's just exposed out there in the middle of nowhere. And I stand on one side, and in the midst of that is my grief and my turmoil, my pain and my anguish. But on that other side, I can see others that have been able to make it through loss, child loss, child loss by suicide, and that they're that hope and inspiration and that, yes, I can experience life again. I learned to accept what has happened, but I see that. So I have to walk this rope bridge, but that first step is scary, scary as all heck. Yeah. Am I going to make it? There's doubt, there's the fear. And then it's like always those possibilities that you can slip and fall and be exposed to the, you know, rocks in the river below. But you take those steps and may stop and pause and you may fear and then you may step back to where it's not safety. It's not that safety, but it's that grief and that despair. And you keep your eye on that other side and then you can make it over. But it's not easy. Mm -hmm. You're exposed to the wind and, and, and the elements and the same thing. You're exposed to that grief and the pain, but you keep your eye on the other side. And then when you get on that other side, you can look back and say, whoa, that's where I was. This is what I experienced. I'm grateful that I've made it through this. There's been some fear and some tribulation, but I'm over on this side now. Not fully healed because right. this is always a journey. We'll continue to heal, but we don't have to go all the way back to that other side. Yeah. So when we talk about that grief journey, and then the final um, phase that I use is about recovery. And so I believe, truly believe that you cannot get through your grief until you embrace the four areas of health. It's your physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual health. And so in that recovery phrase, I give specific examples of what I've used to be able to make it through. And throughout the entire book, this is what's worked for me. Mm. But I let people know, take what you like and leave the rest. And if there's pieces that you don't embrace, that's okay. And even in the spirituality, I mentioned God because that's my higher power. But I also believe that everybody has a higher power who they call upon when there's times that they need explanation for the things that are unexplainable. For me, it's gone, but for others, and I give you that option, give you the exposure to what I've experienced, but it's up to you on how you, how you take that and use it. But since my book's release, it has been number one in new releases in modern psychology and mental health. Nice. But yeah, Jenny, that tells me, hello, what I'm putting out there, what's in my book is valuable to others and it's helping them. That's amazing. Thank you. So cool. And I really appreciate that you say explicitly in your book, this is what I've experienced. Take it or leave it. Like, find your own way. Because I think so many times people who have experienced grief and loss and people who have not in that circumstance say, 
you need to do it this way. You need to follow this path. This is what I did, so you need to do that. And it's so, so important to find our own way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Many of us are familiar with Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, who had the five stages of grief. And she originally developed that process for cancer patients. Mm -hmm. And that's why she starts with denial and anger. But then that was grabbed by the rest of the grief community and said, this is how you get through grief. Well, I can't, I mean, anger and denial, yeah, that happens. But in order to process, I had to accept. And I believe that acceptance is her last phase. So, and then we've had a six phase add, um, you know, six step, six phase added to her process. But actually she denounced her process in the big grief arena before she passed away. She's like, I never intended this to be applied as a general thing. It was meant for cancer patients. Yeah. So, um, and that's again, why I've, I've broken the mold. (laughs) I step out of those traditional, just very limited ways of walking through grief, not just psychological and mental. I mean, in the physical health recovery, I talk about exercise. I talk about nutrition because I know from that personal training background and me living that lifestyle, what a difference it makes. If you don't exercise, you don't get endorphins moving, which um, helps with the brain in the brain to think clearer, you know, and we need our brain to think clearer. And so it's so connected. If you're eating sugary foods, carb laden foods or foods with gluten, those are the kind of things that impact our physical health and can impact our ability to think clearly, grief brain. Um, how you feel, indigestion, being slow and sluggish, that impacts it. So I recommend exercise and follow through on proper nutrition. And then when we improve that, then it's like our brain says, oh, okay, you know what? I can get out and exercise. I can make clear decisions. I can think about how I'm processing this. Like, yeah, that, and it, it's just, think of it as a spiral as you go up, but you may be going round and round. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that's what's so important is that we do that. And I teach you how to think about your circumstances, how to move forward through them, the stories we tell ourselves, and then about the spiritual. And I know that my higher power, my God lifts me up, mm-hmm. helps me and, and guides me and gives me hope also. Yeah. That holistic, multifaceted or multidisciplinary approach is crucial because grief affects us, not just in our emotions, but it affects our mental well-being it affects our physical well-being it affects our spiritual well-being grief can affect every part of our body or every part of our being yes and i said to find anybody that embraces that it's there's only a few that i am aware of 
So when you were talking about going across that bridge and looking to the other side and experiencing the fear, the doubt, what kept you looking forward? What kept your eyes focused on getting to the other side? Well, several things, actually. It wasn't just one. And I knew I wasn't done with my life. There's a, there's a current song and, and I love it because it says God's not done with you. And that has been actually a very good theme song because I don't believe that God's done with me because I now have this purpose. But mm-hmm. what really has kept me going is my two daughters. My Now that I have grandchildren, I am, you know, my niece, um, she's an, an adult, but because her mom passed away when she was young, my sister was only 53. So I'm the matriarch of my family and I really embrace that because I believe that I need to be that role model, not just in the world of grief, but as a mother, as a grandmother and to do the things that I do because I want to and it's the right thing to do so that I am the matriarch and I want to set that example. I honestly believe also that my son would want me to do this. He was the kindest, caring, loving kid imaginable. I call him a kid, but he was 24. So he was a young adult, but he was, you know, a kid to me, always will be. Uh But he was a kid that cared for others and would do anything. I mean, there were multiple times that he would skip work because he was helping somebody move. Or, um, you know, he, my son had gone through 12-step programs. And so he was a sponsor. And if if one of his sponsees needed help. He would jeopardize his own well-being to help somebody else. And so that was him. And when we had family gatherings for holidays, one of his legacies, we say room for one more. And that's one more at the table and to give and embrace others and and, and just be good human beings. Yeah. And so I know that he would want me to be helping others because I've been able to make it through this, Mm -hmm. to move through and move forward. And then, as I mentioned earlier, I've got me to live for. Yeah, It's important and I'm not done. And because of my experiences, my tools and resources are very, very valuable. And the feedback and the reviews that I'm starting to get about my book really indicates that as well. Mm -hmm. So that's just, you know, to me, it's it's kind of unimaginable. Like I said, I wouldn't have chosen this path. I've never had any formal writing experience, but it resonates be- with others because I'm just vulnerable, and you can you can feel it's like, oh yeah, I've experienced that. Mm-hmm. But how did she make it through it? And that's what I share. Yeah, that's amazing. Thank you. Being vulnerable can be really scary. <laughs> it can be like uh 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 and i very think much so that's really where where we can connect the deepest is in our vulnerabilities i see you i see that you're human just like i'm human yes and you know you talk about that uh, moment um absolutely i experienced that because you know it's like it's different having it in a book and that it being out there on Amazon, but 
after my first book was published and, and friends started reading, it's like, oh my gosh, they know my story, but they really know my story now. And, and, and people, acquaintances who read it, it's like, oh, now I'm vulnerable. They know me. I put it out there. There's no, it's, it's out, it's out and it's not coming back. Not that I want to, but I tell you, when I made that realization, it's like, oh, I put myself on the table. It was definitely a moment of um, realization, but then also going, I know that this is going to help. And then with the second one as well, and being able to just be, be vulnerable, mm-hmm. because I think that relates to people versus having, you know, like many therapists, no theory, they know what's in the books and how to use it. But this is reading about me. Yeah. And so that is definitely been an experience to just really say hey this is it this is me take me as I am and I have to make sure that I don't feel it's like well there's going to people be people out there that criticize my book I accept that mm-hmm. and so be it but you know it, it's that thing of just this is who I am take me take me as I am take me without judgment yeah. what gave you the courage and the inspiration to take that step to share your vulnerability? You know what, Jenny, I don't think that was something I really thought about in sharing the vulnerability of just like, hey, this is what I'm doing. And it wasn't until later, much later, when people were reading my book and that they read my Thursday thoughts and now with my second one, that they're like, yeah, you're vulnerable. And that's what makes you relatable. I was like, oh, because it was just me. It was just the way that I wrote. To me, it was almost as if I was journaling, writing to myself and and sharing those experiences. So it was, it was intuitive. Yeah. I would say that was more, it would be more it, that it was intuitive in my style and how I did it. And so after publishing my first book and and they helped me to encourage to include stories in my book and with people who I had been in contact with and then sharing my own stories. And that's how I chose to format the second book is just sharing those stories and experiences. So it's practical steps that you can follow with examples of how I've made it through or others who I've worked through. So it's just, it's been, it's just my style. Mm-hmm. And that's how I help people. Yeah. We're about out of time. So I wanted to end with what piece of encouragement, if you could give one, one tip, one suggestion. Yeah. So with that vulnerability, I want your listeners and the readers to know that I've got their back because I've been there with them. And as they sit down to read the book, I want them to feel like there's a warm blanket wrapped around them of somebody caring, understanding what they've been through, somebody that can help them to walk this journey, that there's that comfort, there's that safety net and somebody to help them. Because this journey is not easy, but you can do it. You can make through it. So embrace it. Take this book like a warm, warm blanket. That's beautiful. Thank you so much. 
Yes, thank you. So if anyone, any of my listeners are struggling with child loss, with suicide, with suicide ideation or suicide plans or thoughts, know that there is a warm blanket for you. There is help. There are others who have experienced similar things. You're not alone. Yeah, absolutely. And reach out to me. You know, um, it's the griefspecialist.com. I know you said you were going to put that in your um, in the show notes, but really yeah. there's resources on there that you can tap into. And I think that this is an opportunity to heal. So make that decision and just check it out. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Peggy. And thank you, Jenny. I appreciate your time and all that you do. Likewise. Thank is you. there anything else you'd like to share? There's hope. There is hope. You, you are loved and you are important. Indeed. It's been another amazing conversation here on Share Your Story, exploring humanity one heart at a time. Thank you so much, Peggy, for trusting us with your experiences and your vulnerability. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in and receiving those experiences. If you appreciated this episode, please subscribe to the show and leave a comment and or a review so that others can find and appreciate it as well. And with that, we'll say goodbye until next time. Thank you all. Bye. Thank you. To learn more about what I do at Grieving Coach, visit my website, grievingcoach.com, and sign up for my email newsletter. I send out tips, publication, and upcoming events regularly. Until next time, remember that all of our experiences make us who we are and that you are known and loved in more ways than you could ever imagine. Your voice matters, so share your story.